The last week we talked about the, uh, the very controversial subject of money. And we're going to talk about it again. Um, I feel like there's, there's definitely a lot more that could be said about it. Um, but there is so much in the Word about God's dealing with us and our own money. Last week we found out that, first of all, before we even think about giving or what we do with our money, it's like you need to be born again. And you need to lay your life down and say, Lord, you do with me as you like. Um, God really isn't interested in your money if you think you'd buy your way in your heaven. I remember we had this, this guy was, uh, he's an older man um, up in Highlands. And he was just, he was very dastardly, that old-fashioned word. (laughs) He was just such a bad guy. And he was constantly getting in trouble. Um, I'm going to see if we've got any young people in here. We'll make sure we're not going to go too far. Um, he liked young children, and I will just leave it at that. And I remember, I just I hated that guy. I just couldn't stand a sight of him, and because I knew what he was, and he knew what I knew what he was, and I still had to deal with him on that weird way as a cop to a to a, a criminal. But he was always very slick about what he did. And I remember sitting there talking to him one time because I would just do that just to annoy him and maybe just to satisfy whatever that was in myself. Um, he'd talk about, I was like, well, I'm getting ready to give a whole bunch of money to the, the Presbyterian church down the road. And it is like, that should help me out with God. But he really believed that by giving whatever money from his, uh, his stocks and stuff, that that would square him away with the Lord and stuff. And I feel sometimes um, we feel the same way. You know, just if I just give a little bit, you know, if the, the bucket gets passed around and stuff, just kind of put your money in there and then you'll be right with God. And God is so much more concerned um, with that kind of stuff. He's concerned with our heart. And I still can't stand that guy. <laughs> I hope, he's, hope he repented and stuff, but it's just, um, gosh... Still bothers me to this day. Anyway, um, so the conditions are concerning God and His money is that you do surrender yourself to God's purposes. And um, remember that God does want to prosper you. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you're going to be rich your entire life or it's God's will for you to be poor your entire life. I don't believe in either of those things. I think there's seasons for both. But that in all things that we can give thanks. And there's a wonderful chapter in 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 13, where it talks about um, love. And, um, you know, most people who get married get to quote that scripture many, many times. And it's a beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians. There's 13 verses to it. But in 2 Corinthians... Uh, chapters 8 and 9 are totally devoted to money and to giving. And in there, there's 39 verses. So there's almost three, not to say it's like three times more important, but I mean, there's so much to say about giving and our heart attitude towards money and the Lord. The two are really interrelated in some ways. So, if you guys go ahead and turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
Second Corinthians chapter eight. We're going to be kind of hanging out in both of these uh, chapters for a little while. I'm not going to read the entire thing. But just to let you know that this was uh, Paul kind of bragging on the Macedonians. Uh, the Macedonia was a, a region in an area north of Greece. That's where Alexander the Great came from. I think it's pretty close to Bosnia. So, yeah, it's right around that area. And um, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. And he's got a lot of good things to say about them in 2 Corinthians. Not so much in 1 Corinthians. But in 2 Corinthians, a lot of these things that he addressed have been dealt with. But one of the things he's trying to put his finger on concerning his spiritual children here in Corinth is that they were really fired up about giving and taking a collection for their fellow brothers and sisters around the world in different churches. And Paul wants to remind them as they listen. You guys talked about this one time, and I'm going to bring it up again, but I want you guys... To remember that this will help complete you and your your walk of faith. So if we go ahead and start with chapter 8. Starting with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God who is bestowed on the churches in Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberality. So even though they were poor and struggling, they gave a lot. And Paul's making a note of that. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely, willingly imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. And it's interesting, too, that when we're looking at the Macedonians, they went beyond what Paul had even hoped for. They went beyond that because they were in distress financially. But still in their hearts were stirred, their spirits were stirred to give even more than what was comfortable. And it's one of the things that was going on during the world that time is that the Christians would give to the apostles and they would give to those who were in need in their congregations. And I know that also, and I don't think Jerry might be able to help me out with this, that there was also giving that went to Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, to help out with the saints there. Because that's where it all started. And I think there's probably other reasons as well. He's nodding his head. Good. I got it. <clears throat> but also that giving also helps with us when we receive grace from God. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Just kind of stole it away for a little while. But as you know in verse 7, that you abound in everything, in faith. And he's talking to the Corinthians now in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. See that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment. Very important. But I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Okay. So I'm going to touch on two things right there that I think is really important. Um, God has all the wealth. He has all the riches. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold is is his. All the silver is his as well. But he tests the sons of men and the daughters as well to see where their heart is concerning wanting to have a, a willing spirit to give. And it says right here that Jesus, though he was rich, there's no one richer than our God. Yet for your sakes he became poor. So we know that happened where, though? When did he become poor? I hear barely faint something. At the cross, definitely. When he came to earth, he emptied himself. I think both of those things. But I think the true manifestation of that poverty was happened at the cross. It's like when he went to the cross, he had his garment divided up. When that didn't even get divided up, I think they were casting lots for it because it was such a beautiful thing. And he was just stripped up there for everyone to see. He didn't even have a tomb that was his. It was a borrowed tomb. So I do believe that when he went up there and he died, that when he rose again from the dead, he completely exhausted the poverty curse. That through his poverty, what he went through at the cross, we might experience not only wealth, I think, in the physical, because we need to have that, we need to have money in this world, but also spiritual, both of those things. All right. It is very quiet here. <laughs> All right, let me see here. Let's go down to verse 16. It says, But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you on his own accord. And we have sent him the brother who is praised in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself, and to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone who should blame us in this lavish gift, which is ministered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with him our brother, with whom we have proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of this great confidence which we have in you. So again, this gift that was given was extremely lavish and beyond um, measure that even that Paul would hope for. Let's go down to chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Starting with verse 5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your bountiful gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it might be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So, 
God does love this. And this is one of our scriptures that we love here at Franklin Covenant. But I say this to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And here's the promise from this. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it's written, he has dispersed abroad and has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. So, in looking at this text right here, that is absolutely true. That again, you see this link between the grace of God and how generous you are with your money. And we all need God's grace. There, I think there's different forms of grace. But we want God's favor in our life. Whether we're in season or out of season, we want that. We want that higher call and we want the bigger blessing. We just do. And I'm not ashamed to say that. It's like, I want what God wants in my life. And these scriptures aren't here to condemn. I think it's just a, it's a spiritual principle that if you sow a little bit, okay, and we're, again, we're not talking about the widow with the two mites. She gave everything. Jesus knows exactly how much you've got. Okay? But that if you give just a little bit and you give it kind of in that grudging way and stuff, you're going to get a little bit back. And I think also that applies with God's grace in our life. If you feel like there is, and that's a little controversial, but I believe it though, that there is a lack in that, God's favor in your life for some reason, um, you might want to look back to this. That might have to do with your, your lack of giving and your hard attitude towards that. And we know, we talked about last week, where it says, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. Okay, and we talked about what mammon was. And a lot of newer translations translated money. I believe it has to do with that. But mammon has to do with, I believe, an, an evil satanic entity that which makes men and women love money and pursue money. And God and Jesus said is like, you can't serve both. It's impossible. You're going to end up despising one and loving the other, but you can't serve two masters. So anyway. Verse 10 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you were enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So again, this is also, I believe, um, unbelievers look at this and it's like, how can these people be so generous with each other? How can these people give and not expect something in return? So I think also, it's not just for the church, I think it's also a sign and wonder for those who don't believe. It's like, why do you take care of your widows? And I remember one of the stories from the ancient times, um, in Roman times, they would, um, 
usually get rid of their girls, babies, and leave them out just to perish and stuff. And because they just didn't want them. You know, it's kind of like abortion nowadays. But the Christian homes and the people will go out and take these little babies and raise them as their own. And the pagans took notice. They took notice of these things because their time and their love and their money went into taking care of these children. And because of that, you know, their numbers began to grow and grow anyway because we were just taking their kids and taking care of them for them. Let's go to verse 12. It says, For the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this, of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience to your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with all and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his undescribable gift. And that's the real important part. Um, it's like we need to take care of each other on a practical level. And I know that um, on Saturdays we feed the poor, and we also have a food room that uh, we provide like a lunch um, on the last Saturday. I know Cyril will be making an announcement of that pretty soon. But that's part of what we do. But we also have money here set aside or gift cards set aside for people who might need that. We have widows here now. You know, my mom just became a widow not too long ago. And that's part of the church's responsibility to help taking care of those who are in need in a very practical level. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Philippians. Philippians 4. Starting verse 11, Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to have lack. That's an old word. And I know how to abound. That means you have more than enough money. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I want you guys to see that for a second. Paul, I mean, he's a father in the faith, and he's set up all these churches. He's like, listen, I have already learned in my walk with the Lord that whether I go hungry or I've got a ton of money and stuff like that, to be content. Godliness with contentment is great what? 
Great gain. All right. <laughs> and Paul had already learned that, but in verse 17 he says, I seek the gift. This is them giving their money. But it says, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And there is an account in heaven that is set aside for you and for me and for all of us who are believers. The Lord takes note of these things. Jesus himself said, it's like, don't just put money away in your bank account or your IRA um, just so you can have like a real good retirement and have four homes and do all these other things. It's like, but when you're doing these things and you're giving to the poor and you're giving to the Lord, also know that there is an account in heaven that's got your name on it where no one can break in. There's no moth that's going to destroy anything that you've got there and there's no thieves that can break in. And that's a promise from him. And we need to know that these are eternal treasures. And Paul was more concerned about that. It's like, man, this is going to go to your guys' account. And that's part of the reason why as believers we need to have that eternal view. That this life runs out really quick. And you don't know what day um, or the hour when you might go. So we need to make sure that we're not just concerned with this, this life only. It's so important that we just don't focus in on just the daily grind, but knowing that in the end, we're going to be with the Lord forever. And the things that we do here are going to impact that all the way. Verse 18, Indeed, I have all, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And that sounds so much like with Cornelius, when he was an unbeliever, but he believed in the Jewish God, and he was offering alms to the poor. He was praying, and then the angel came to him, and said, he was like, all your prayers and your alms, the things you're doing for the poor, have gone up before the Lord. Like a sweet-smelling aroma. They can smell. The Lord loves this. So again, we see this right here. So it's like, it's a sweet-smelling aroma. It's acceptable to the Lord. And it's well-pleasing. <laughs> you could be well-pleasing to God. That's amazing. And then in verse 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that is definitely one of those refrigerator things that we put up there. It's a great and wonderful scripture. I love this scripture, but I believe it's only for those who give. That's just for me. And you guys can disagree with me and talk to me about it afterwards, as long as you buy lunch or breakfast for me. But I believe that verse 19 is... Because of all the other things that you've done already. God will supply your needs. But He's also looking for you to be a cheerful giver as well. He is looking at the heart. So now we're going to travel backwards into Exodus. Exodus 35. I know some people get a little nervous when we get into the the law and Old Testament. I love it. I think it's great. 
Uh, it's the Word of God, and I think it shows the the things hidden in Christ in the Old Testament. That if, as a believer, you can really get in here and find some beautiful things about your faith. So don't neglect the Old Testament as well. It's there for our learning and for our instruction. So don't let people steer you away from that. This is in uh, chapter 35 in Exodus. And this is Moses speaking. Verse 1, Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together. They run out of... Maybe? No? Okay. Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. And he goes through... You're going to work for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to rest. Chapter 4, or verse 4, Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, and let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. And he mentions a whole bunch of different items, gold, silver, bronze, Ram skins, oil, onyx stones. It's a huge list because they're getting ready to build what? Do you remember? In chapter 35? Starts with a T. <laughs> Tabernacle. Yes, they're getting ready to build this. And so Moses says, hey, listen. This is a commandment from the Lord, but also within that is like, I want you to have a willing heart within it. So go home. And think about these things if you want to give. Says, but here the, the preface is, which is even, those, this is the law, and the Lord commanded us. He says, whoever is of a willing heart. Again, this harkens to grace, I believe, in the New Testament. Not that we would hit, like Paul would say, don't, don't give grudgingly. Don't give stingily. He wants a willing heart. And this is in the Old Testament. So we go all the way down to verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Verse 21. And everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all of its services and for its holy garments. They came, both men and women. And as many as had a willing heart, and brought with them earrings and nose rings. There's a lot of nose rings are really coming back, aren't they? I'm not sure if like the one that goes like between the. It's like man, it's like a looks painful. I like the one on the side though. It's that's okay. Just my opinion. You can talk to me later. Nose rings, rings, bracelets, jewelry, gold. That is every man who had an offering. To bring as an offering of gold to the Lord. So it talks about how all these men, all of a sudden, as this was happening, men and women all of a sudden began to have a blessing from the Lord, I believe. Where he was giving them an expression of how to build these different articles in the temple. He was giving them the spirit of wisdom how to do that. Men and women were all working together to make the garments for the tabernacle. 
and to make the ark itself and all the items and furniture that was in it. I'm not going to go through all these things. But God, His Spirit began to pour out among His people during that time. So they didn't have this ability before. Before, not too long ago, they were just make brick for Pharaoh. Put straw in mud, stamp on it, bake it, and start making my stuff. Just a thing. All right. Pete, I'm not going to hurt it. Don't worry. Now these people were having the Spirit of the Lord pour out upon them. And they were beginning to make something that was going to be so exceedingly beautiful. But at the same time, too, I think it's going to be very humble looking from the outside. But that's another story and for another time to teach on that. I don't want to get off topic. So in chapter 36, in verse 6, it says, Moses gave a command. And they caused it and to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material which they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. So they had to stop the people. It's like, you gave way too much. Please stop giving. This is the Old Testament. Okay? And it is a beautiful thing that you see God's grace going through. Something as wonderful as building this tabernacle. How God was giving expression to each person that they had a part in the building of this tabernacle as well. God's Spirit giving them this creative desire to do these things. So we see here, it's like God blesses those who give. He loves that. He loves a cheerful giver. So, I want to kind of wrap it up because I know we've lost an hour and... Um, I want to make sure you guys get home in time to rest and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's some practical things that we could talk about um, as far as giving and tithes and offerings. And I'd even touched on a tithe. I do believe in tithing, though. I do. Um, like Watchman Nee says, we don't just give one-tenth like they did in the Old Testament. We give ten-tenths. Everything is the Lord's. But we still have a decision and a choice to make in that. And also, concerning the tithe, it didn't come with the Old Testament, with the giving of the law. Who, was it done? Who did that first with the tithe? Abraham. Okay, after he had slaughtered those kings and got all those people back, he gave a tithe as he was blessed by Melchizedek. So that's something before the law. And I believe it's something that we still do. I believe there's scripture that can support it or not and stuff. It's okay. Um, I think in all this, I hope that you've heard my heart that it's just, it's so good to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So in a practical way, I'll start off with people who go to work. When you're at work, what type of evaluations are you giving or getting from your boss? Are you a blessing to those who you're working for? I hear and I've talked to many people um, in my line of work besides this that I notice that um, 
people who bounce around from job to job to job to job over a short period of time, usually they have this thing where it's like, oh, it's the people I work with, they're just such a bother, and then they don't like me. Um, might I suggest the problem might lie within you? Um, I believe that anything that we do, we are to do as unto the Lord. And I believe as Christians, especially as we mature, we need to be a blessing to those who are our bosses, man or woman. You need to do that as unto the Lord. Not when their eye is on you, but when they're not around, do it as unto the Lord. It's like we can't just keep leaving jobs and employment in a worse place than when we got there. How is that how is that affecting your own witness as a Christian? So stop bouncing around. Be happy where you're at right now. For the time being, the Lord will open up a door. But I think more important than just making sure you have steady employment, that you are being a blessing and not a curse to that person who employs you. Do your job. Thank you, Bill Belichick. Do it. I believe this. Like We are supposed to go from glory to glory. Leave some glory behind. I don't care if it's at Ingalls or McDonald's or you're working for Daniel or my brother or for Luke or whoever. Do a great job. And keep being a blessing for these men and these women who support you and your livelihood. Amen? All right. So now for the younger kids. All right. I'm going to be careful how I say this. But there's not like a whole bunch that says what kids are supposed to do. But they are to honor their parents. Okay? Part of honoring your parents is to help out around the house. And in the beginning, I know that I know for me, I wasn't that great at it. I got better at it, and after a while, I really enjoyed it because it brought happiness to my parents. But some of you guys need to learn that I'm talking to the kids, those who are living at home still, that your parents work very hard for you to make sure you guys have a good roof over your head, clothes on your body, all that kind of stuff. Help them, especially you teenagers, by this time, you guys should know what you should be able to do without being asked over and over and over again. I know, this is very practical and kind of weird that we're talking about it in church, but I think it needs to be said. Don't worry, I'm talking to my own kids too. (laughs) They should be growing in that type of responsibility. It's honoring to the parents and it's honoring to the Lord because of that so kids do the best that you can stop having to get nagged by your parents okay just do it and then last I'm going to talk about our business owners here what are some practical ways I think that you can help out as far as when it comes to giving or your money or your time or whatever it might be I think that you need to have that spirit that was on Boaz. We talked about that in Ruth, I think it was like last summer, where it impressed me so much when Boaz, when they're getting ready to harvest, I think it was the barley or the wheat, and Boaz is walking out in Bethlehem, 
And he says this phrase to the people out there. He says, the Lord be with you to all his workers. And if they hated him, they might have just said nothing and maybe turned their back on him or it's Boaz again. But they said back to him, the Lord bless you. That's what his workers. So that says a lot about Boaz as a boss. They loved him. And remember, Boaz was talking to one of his, his servants um, concerning Ruth, that they made sure that she was being treated kindly. He said, hey, hang out with my women, Ruth. Go hang out with my women. They'll take care of you. He spoke with the, the younger men. Don't mess with her. Actually, leave some extra on the ground, okay, so she doesn't have to work extra hard to get it so much so she can take care of herself. And her, uh, her mother-in-law. And I think in a practical way for bosses and stuff, be a blessing to those who work under you. I mean, you can keep them under your thumb. And I think in a, you guys can tell them what to do and be harsh with them and stuff. But it's like, know this, that the Lord sees these type of things. He sees them. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, what talked about leaving some of the gleanings behind. So as they were harvesting the barley or they're harvesting the wheat, as they were going through and picking up and putting these bundles in to put them in the barn, they left things behind for the poor people to get. And I think that as, as bosses that you need to be generous with the salaries that are the people who are under you. Be generous. Be be more generous than the pagans, for crying out loud. Let's put them to shame. And I know that from the people that do work for some of the business owners here, that you guys are doing a really good job. I ask. I go around and I do ask. I know it's kind of nosy of you. I was like, well, that's part of my job, I think. Didn't Boaz go around and do the same thing too? It's like, hey, I've gone around to the whole village to find out about you, Ruth. Sometimes we need to dig into people's situation a little bit. And I'm not going to go too far into that, but I do think it's important. So, I hope those are some practical things um, to show from the Old and from the New Testament that it is so important that it is a revealer of our heart in a lot of ways. Because money is just not money, it is our time and it is our talent the things that we've invested in. It is so important. And I know today's uh, world that we live in, that we might not want to talk about, you know, things like money, because it can be really embarrassing and we don't want to bring that up. But I think in God's kingdom, it's like it needs to be talked about. There's nothing to be ashamed of, of it. Money can be a great, great tool. And it also, it can be the worst <laughs> masters as well. So, let me just go ahead and end there. And um, just pray a blessing over you guys. And Father, we just, uh, we thank you that you own everything. And Jesus, you created everything. And you were looking for generous sons and daughters. And some of us need some more training in that. And that's good. Lord, we can all do a little bit more. Lord, those who are giving faithfully and who are doing well, Lord, just bless them. 
Lord, put this to their account. Lord, as we think about, as we give, Lord, to those who are in need. We give, Lord, to those ministries that are producing good fruit. That as we do those things in faith, Lord, it is like a fragrant offering that just goes up before you. And it's well-pleasing to you. And you are the God who gave everything through your Son. You gave us everything. Lord, we just thank you for whatever situation we can be like Paul. Lord, if we're having a hard time, we can be content. Lord, if we're abounding, Lord, we can be happy in that too, but not get too carried away knowing that it all comes from you. And Father, if there is any need, any physical need here, Lord, Lord, that the people of God would not be ashamed to ask for help. I believe that is part of our mandate, Lord. So, Father, just bless these guys with every spiritual blessing, Lord, that they would go forth, Lord, and do good deeds. Lord, Lord, just that they would know that everything good comes from you. And then it's got to pass through your hand. So thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before I walk off, um, we'll be getting a new series at the beginning of April on the cross. Um, it's going to go at least maybe four to five weeks, maybe a little bit longer. I think interspersed within that, we're going to have uh, a good teaching on grace as well. So, those are two big things that will be coming up pretty soon. And after that, sometime maybe in the summer and the fall, we'll be also having another series on the armor of God. So, we've got some things to look forward to. Becky, am I forgetting anything? Okay. So, just be, as we're preparing to enter into the Easter season, um, get your hearts and minds geared up for reading about the cross, meditating on the cross, what Jesus has done. Um, Because it's because of the cross that we have the grace of God. I believe that. There's no other way. So, Lord, bless you guys and have a great day. All right.